You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome back to another deal analysis episode. So today we'll be doing an analysis for a duplex that was purchased for the purpose of house hacking, and this duplex is located in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. So we closed this deal in quarter four of 2019. Now, if you've been following my podcast or really the Denver market at all, you know multifamilies are pretty tough right now for house hacking. There's just not a whole lot of inventory out there, and there's not a lot of properties that make sense for house hackers, uh, meaning that they can pass an FHA appraisal because they have a higher health and safety appraisal. And having a unit that is vacant or coming vacant, because since this is going to be an owner-occupied property, the investor or the homeowner has to move in within 60 days after closing. So if a property has all long-term leases on there, you can't move into it as a house hack. So right there, those two things, the lease situation and having to meet the FHA appraisal health and safety standards really reduces the already limited inventory we have here in Denver for multifamily. But we found this duplex. It's a great layout. So I'll run you through the details. So let's start off with talking about the investor profile. So this is an out-of-state couple that relocated to Denver for work and quality of life. And what the situation was is that they were still living out-of-state and they wanted to buy a property before they moved out here. We know, which makes sense. That way they could get settled in, find a property, and and move straight in and avoid having to move their stuff a couple of times, avoid having to pay for Airbnb and hotel fees, all that. But at the same time, it makes looking at properties a little bit trickier because we have to coordinate a lot of stuff long distance. So we successfully accomplished that. We do that uh, quite a few times a year. And it's not a big deal, just adds an extra, you know, extra layer to the process that we definitely can navigate with our clients. So these clients already were actually living in a house hack and they enjoyed it and they understood the model of house hacking and then using that to acquire multiple properties through the Nomad strategy. So they wanted to repeat the same strategy out here in Denver. So another reason they were wanting to move move to Denver and buy in Denver is just because of the long-term potential of the Denver real estate market. So they knew, hey, great, if we can uh, find a place that works for us here, you know, now to live in, and we can hold on to it for 10 or 20 years, uh, they should hopefully make a lot of money through rent appreciation and price appreciation, just the overall growth that the Denver market is experiencing and is expected to continue to experience. They have a a very high level comfort with rehab and construction. Uh, one of the client's father is a GC, so he was willing to come out and help them. And also they've done quite a few projects themselves. And they really wanted a duplex for the complete separate living space. Uh, They both work from home and wanted to have a bigger unit and also completely separate living space for quality of life and also so they can actually do their jobs and make money. So we looked at single family homes. We looked at homes with mother-in-law suites. And ultimately, we wanted to find a duplex. So no surprise here. We found this property on the MLS. And to date, 100% of all of our house hack and nomad properties have been found on the MLS. And that's just because for two things, you got the biggest pool out there to look at properties. And really, since you're doing an owner-occupant loan, uh, 
you know, finding the off-market deals usually isn't the right fit for owner-occupied properties because those are often distressed properties or properties that are not livable, and those are going to cash investors for fix and flips or major remodels, and they definitely don't work for FHA loans. All right, so moving on to the details of the property, like I said, it's a duplex, and it's a really, really cool layout. There's quite a few duplexes like this up in like Wheat Ridge or Vada, where, you know, there's two sides or side-by-side duplex. One side just looks like a single family home. If you were to look at it from the outside, it's, oh, cool, that's just a normal house. It's a four bedroom, two bathroom house. And it's a ranch style with a basement. And then there's a attached garage. And then on the other side of the garage is the other half of the duplex, which is a two bedroom, one bath. So the garage goes into the main house and then you've got the other unit right next door there. So it's in Wheat Ridge, and it's an area right near uh, Kipling and I-70. So, you know, easy access to the mountains, easy access to Denver, uh, lots of growth going up in the area. So we like that from the long-term investment perspective. So it was listed at $590,000, which was overpriced. And it had been sitting on the market for a while, and we were fortunately able to negotiate the price down and get it to a much more uh, acceptable price and actually probably a couple dollars below what fair market value is. So we got it under contract for $545. And why we liked it? Well, number one, it was a duplex in good shape that passed an FHA inspection and it's a great location. Uh, Unit one was updated and ready to move in. And that was unit that was going to be vacant or is vacant. Unit two had some tenants on there month to month. So our clients had the decision to either move into either side, but they wanted the bigger side uh, since they needed home offices and you know wanted the space, and they were happy to have the uh, the other tenants there because they'd been there for years. And it sounds like they were great tenants. Uh, the other thing is this was just on a huge lot, so great separation for you know both tenants when you consider the backyard and just a really really big lot. All right, so the contract details on here. As I said, it was sitting on the market for a while. It had been in the market like 75 days before we came across it. So uh, since the buyer's out of state, we did a virtual tour with FaceTime. You know, we looked at the listing, made sense. We went and walked there, did a FaceTime tour with them. They really liked it. So we started the offer and negotiation process with the plan, since the Denver market is such a fast-moving market where it's very hard to come out, oh, hey, this property popped up. Let me fly out this weekend and see how it looks. Uh, so a lot of times that doesn't work in the current seller's market we have in Denver because properties move so fast. Now, since this had been on the market for, you know, what, two and a half months, that may have been a possibility. But, you know, we've definitely lost properties in the past where it's been on the market for three months. And some of those things where we start looking at it, the universe brings someone else to look at it at the same time. And then you got two people looking at it, and then two offers come at the same time. So our clients didn't want to take that risk, and plus they couldn't come out for at least a week or so. So we got under contract with the goal of having them come out during the inspection. And this is a common thing we do with our out-of-state, our out-of-state investors, is we get under contract, and then we coordinate uh, the dates on the contract, and then their trip out to coincide with the inspection. So that's when the inspector comes to the process. And so we do this for a number of reasons. That way, it's a, you know, obviously the buyers need to see the property, but can also be there with the inspector to kind of get his, you know, uh, verbal report while they're walking around pointing things out because that's always so much better than just looking at reports. Uh, and then plus, since the Colorado contract is so buyer friendly, 
if it's not the right fit, great. Then we can terminate and definitely back out of the deal if it's not the right fit for the buyers. So under contract, we definitely got way below list price. And I mean, that was two reasons. I mean, we were good at negotiation, but also it was just an overpriced property. So during the inspection, there were uh, three main concerns that came up. Uh, the roof had damage, the electrical panels uh, needed to be updated, and the sewer line needed a spot repair. So we were able to negotiate roof repairs. This property was being sold through an estate, so it was really tough with the inspection items. Uh, but the roof repairs were done through an insurance claim, so that way the seller and the seller's insurance took care of it. So for financing, this was a duplex. So there's three loan options we have for a duplex. USDA, which is U.S. Department of Agricultural. Those loans don't work in the Denver metro area since we're down an agriculture area. VA or a veterans loan, which is only accessible to veterans or people have, you know, uh, served in the armed forces. And then FHA, which is really geared towards first-time home buyers. So they want the FHA because they're not a veteran and they can't do USDA. So they did a 3.5% down loan and their interest rates at 3.5%. So the great news is that when the appraiser came out, it came in at above our contract price. So that's always, you know, great news to have. Now, this was a FHA uh, safety and health appraisal. And I mean, you know, we thought the property was in great shape. And literally, there was some chipping paint on like the banister walking up the stairs. We got dinged for that. And there's some other small item that is escaping my mind, but very, very small items uh, that the FHA appraiser dinged and we had to have the seller repair it. So luckily it was literally like probably $200 or something you go do in a you know, couple hours with your own time. But that's how nitpicky FHA appraisers can be. And that's why oftentimes multifamilies don't work for house hacks because this was this unit was in much better condition than most uh, multifamilies we see around town. So we didn't get any zero, uh, we got zero concessions from the seller as far as a dollar credit amount. We did get them to repair the roof though. And then since this is FHA, there is no option for prepayment. So therefore you have a monthly MI, so monthly mortgage insurance with your FHA. And one thing about FHA is that that mortgage insurance stays with the loan for the life of it. So what a lot of times people do is they use the FHA because you get these low down payment options, especially for multifamilies. And after, you know, three years, four years, five years, uh, they can refinance into a conventional loan and hopefully drop off their PMI. And they did end up buying down their interest rate a little bit to get down that three and a half percent mark, uh, just because they could buy down the points and get a really good interest rate. So when we analyze properties, we always talk about properties from the aspect of when they're moving out. Because we're buying these properties uh, with a number one goal of building a long-term rental portfolio. So as we analyze the properties, we need to make sure, hey, great. Obviously, we can figure out why you're living there. But most importantly, since you'll probably be there for a year or two, how does it make sense in the 10-year, 20-year point of view from a rental property? So you can see here, I got screenshots of Joe Massey's spreadsheet. I've got uh, labeled as a Wheat Ridge duplex, two units, primary residence. Now, the spreadsheet says 4%. That's just because it rounds up. It's actually 3.5%, but only it doesn't show decimal places. We have the mortgage insurance as monthly paid. We plugged in the purchase price of $545. There was about $7,000 in acquisition cost. So that's all the closing costs, the appraisals, uh, buying down the interest rate, and all the other costs that come with doing business in real estate. 
We had $1,540 in loan cost. Uh, so altogether, their down payment, just based on the loan, is just over $19,000. And every time I see those numbers, it just is breathtaking to me because it's such a low down payment to go in there and buy a property. And then it was about $3,000 in initial repair costs, and that was mostly for that sewer spot repair uh, and do that minor electrical upgrade work. So altogether, they were all in for about $30,000. So that's for the down payment, the acquisition, the loan cost, and the initial repair cost. We've got the interest rate in there at 3.5%. Now, again, remember, we are analyzing this property after they move out. So unit one, which is the bigger unit, the four-bedroom, two-bathroom, it should rent for about $2,500 a month. I mean, if you look at it, like I said, it's just a normal single-family home, uh, great location, really big unit, great layout. Unit two, uh, current tenants is at $1,200. Might be able to bump up a little bit more for market rent, but the tenants were already below that because they've been there for a long time. Our uh, clients wanted to keep those tenants in there, so $1,200 was a good fit. So altogether, that rental income is $3,700 a month. Now, this is for after they move out. So we'll talk about some numbers when they move out and while they're living there as well. So we're assuming a 3% vacancy factor, 3% rent increase, 3% appreciation rate, and 25% effective tax rate. So going into oh, some more operating data, when I underwrite properties, I usually account for property management. Now, a lot of our clients who are house hackers end up self-managing, but I like to account for the expense because usually one day you will have the property management. And I also think it's good to underwrite the properties that way. And they can always you know, get rid of the property management to see how the fees are. So I select yes to property management. I put the property management 10%. Now, most of uh, property managers that we ref- uh, work with, they will charge our clients around 7%, 7.5%. But we often round up to 10% to account for you know, miscellaneous fees, some lease-up fees, some marketing fees, those types of items. So the actual cost is 7%, 7.5%, and there's always, always a little bit more money on top of that. Since this is a duplex, you know, a detached property, our rule of thumb there for properties in pretty good shape is an 8% reserve. So that means 8% of rents will go towards monthly reserves. And so basically that's one month's worth of rents. So we're saying about $3,700 a year, We're going to earmark to handle reserves, repairs, and just building up the account for when bigger items like water heaters and roofs and windows need to be replaced. There's no HOA. The taxes were just under $2,400. The insurance here is just under $2,000. So when they move out, uh, there is, you know, uh, one water and sewer tap. And so we're asking about $1,200 a year in water use. You know, it might be $1,500, but there's no irrigation, so you won't have a huge water bill for watering the lawn. Trash will be about $350. And then as far as electric and gas, you know, so Excel, those are separately metered. As far as landscaping and snow removal, all that stuff will be tenant, uh, tenant uh, delegated to. It's their responsibility to take care of it and to also pay for it. So let's talk about the analysis for once they move out. So you take all the expenses, what we just talked about, it's about $14,000 a year in income. So subtract that from the rent. So $37 times 12, subtracting that $14,000, leaves them a net operating income of about $29,000. Now, their estimated monthly mortgage payment is about $28,000 a year. 
with about $2,200 a year for mortgage um, insurance payments, about $188 a month. Now, again, that mortgage insurance is an estimated number because that always varies on the exact property and the credit profile of the buyer. But we have some middle-of-the-road assumptions on here to give you an estimate for what it can be. So if you subtract out those mortgage payments, it actually shows a negative annual cash flow of $1,446. So basically, I'll say $100 a month of negative cash flow. So a couple of ways to look at that here, if you were to buy this as a rental property, you might say, yeah, I don't want to buy a property for that's going to cash flow negative $100 a month. But keep in mind here, this is one of the advantages to house hacking, and this is where you're balancing you know, risk versus reward that they're able to buy this asset you know, for a $20,000 down payment and basically about $30,000 all in for everything. And they can move it after a year and have an asset that pretty much pays for itself with realistic conservative underwriting. Now, something I can point out here, two main things I'll point out here is that if they decide to self-manage a property and not pay a property manager, well, guess what? That will save them like $4,000 a year because 10% of $37 a month in rent probably about $4,000 a year, if not a little bit more. So if you take that out, guess what? If you add $4,000 back into the income, well, now it goes from a negative $1,400 a year to what a positive $2,500 a year. Oh, well, now we go from a negative cash flow to a positive cash flow number on there, which is really, really you know, interesting and really, really great because I think these clients were planning on to do a self-manage when they move out. They weren't quite sure. I think they're leaning towards that just to make the property, you know, fully cash flow positive. The other thing to keep in mind is that we are putting away 8% in repairs and maintenance. So we could, I see a lot of people out there, they don't include repairs and maintenance in their reserves or in their underwriting because, oh, well, you know, hey, it only costs $100 last year to fix things. Okay, I get that. That might be that one year, but over the life of a property, things break. Things need to be updated. Uh, bigger items need to be replaced. So we should be putting money aside for that. So that 8% is about $3,700 a year. Now, they may spend less than that. They may spend more than that. But with all of our house hacking clients, we always recommend, hey, while you're living there, do a lot of that little stuff yourself, those you know minor updates to go ahead and future tenant-proof the property, the $10 repairs for updating the toilet, for replacing this, replacing that. That way, when you move out, whether you're managing or a property manager is managing, you don't get killed with all these little like, hey, it's a $10 item to replace, but it's a $100 service call for someone to come out and repair it. So it, you take those two things into play there, the property manager and the reserves, this property is more than paying for its mortgage and other expenses, which is phenomenal. So again, I wrote it very conservatively with the property management in there. So it gives it a negative 4.7% cash on cash return. Now, of course, if we took out property management, it would be a positive number. The cap rate is at 5.3%. And I think if you want to use cap rates, you definitely should include property management in there. If we didn't, that cap rate would jump up probably half a point. But with realistic underwriting, it's a 5.3 cap rate, which is what we're seeing right now in the Denver market, especially for a property that is uh, you know, moving ready. It can mean an FHA appraisal. So altogether, if you look at the return on investment quadrant, and this is once they move out, yeah, we have a negative, you know, fourteen hundred dollars a year in cash flow. Maybe positive if they're if they're self managing, but their tax benefits from depreciation should be more than forty two hundred dollars a year. Their tenants will be paying down their debt 
about $10,000, and assuming a 3% appreciation rate, we should see a $16,000 appreciation amount. Now, of course, a lot of these are assumptions, but the depreciation debt pay down, those are pretty much guaranteed. So that right there, they're going to get a, a, a pretty certain return of about $14,000 on their money. So if they're putting $30,000 down and they're getting $30,000 return on that, pretty impressive. Now, that's not all cash flow in their pocket, but it is cash flow and wealth that they are accumulating on their asset sheet. So altogether, we are estimating close to a 95% return on their initial investment. And why do we see such a high number? That's because we're using so much leverage there. All right, so to wrap things up here, a couple other ways you can look at this is, you know, while they're living there, uh, their mortgage is about $2,500 a month, you know, with mortgage or principal interest and then also paying their uh, mortgage insurance. So they decide to live on the bigger side, but then their tenants next door are paying about $1,200 a month. So that's almost half offsetting their mortgage right there, which is a great win. Now, if they decided to, or if you decided to live in the smaller unit and rent the bigger unit and you got around $2,500 a month in rent, that tenant would be pretty much paying for your mortgage. Now, of course, you'd have to pay some insurance and taxes, your share utilities, uh, and also be putting money, money away for reserves. But that might be, what, a couple hundred dollars a month at most? So if you really wanted to maximize the property to lower your living expenses, you would live in the smaller unit, and then you would rent out the bigger unit and be pretty much living for free uh, other than a couple hundred dollars a month. But again, this comes down to the client balancing their personal needs and wants with the investment property. Since they work from home uh, and they wanted some space, they decided to stay in the bigger unit and then rent out the smaller unit. Now, when they move out in a year or two and convert it to a rental property, that's not gonna make a huge difference for them because again, going back to the big picture, in my mind, the most important thing is you are accumulating good rental properties. And if you do this a few more times, well, your future self in 10, and 10 to 15 years will be very grateful for you buying a few properties right now. All right, so if you've got any questions on this analysis, reach out to me. If you need help on finding rental properties, putting together your strategy, uh, figuring out any of those questions, reach out to me. Me and my team, we're agents. This is what we do pretty much seven days a week. All right, everyone, have a great day.